The question is how to lead a thriving team, not any team. We don't want mediocre teams. We want thriving teams, which means that people on the team feel like they're personally thriving, but also you as a team, as a unit are thriving. And there are two main factors that will determine how well your team functions. And that's what we're going to talk about in this episode. I'm not going to do this by myself. I have a very special guest with me today. It's Kirsten Moorfield, who is the co-founder and COO of Cloverleaf.me. Kirsten spent countless hours with hundreds of teams from startups to Fortune 100s, observing a clear pattern between the happiest and most effective people. And that's what ultimately led Kirsten and her co-founder, Darren, to start Cloverleaf. It's a SaaS platform that provides a range of personality and behavioral type assessments and automated team coaching to empower teams to do their best work together. I've personally been a user and partner to Cloverleaf for several years because I offer Cloverleaf to all my clients because I see how powerful this tool can be and how much it amplifies the work that I do in terms of coaching and training and team development initiatives. But besides building Cloverleaf, which now has over a million users, Kirsten has also built a young family in Cincinnati, Ohio, where she lives with her husband and her two young kids. Kirsten is one of those people who has seen a lot of research around team building and what makes teams great. And she also sees data and has hands-on experience working with hundreds of teams. So she has a tremendous amount of insight. I'm very excited to have this conversation with her today. Let's dive in. Here's the question. How do you successfully transition into your first official leadership role, build the confidence and competence to lead your team successfully and establish yourself as a respected and trusted leader across the organization? That's the question, and this show provides the answers. Welcome to the Manager Track Podcast. I'm your host, Ramona Shaw, and I'm on a mission to create workplaces where work is not seen as a source of stress and dread, but as a source of contribution, connection, and fulfillment. And this transition starts with developing a new generation of leaders who know how to lead so everyone wins and grows. In this show, you learn how to think, communicate, and act as the confident and competent leader you know you can be. Kirsten, so good to have you on the Manager Track podcast. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Ramona. I'm excited to be here. So Kirsten Moorfield is the co-founder and COO of Cloverleaf. And Cloverleaf is a platform, like I said in the intro, that I've used for several years and my clients love. So I thought it'd be an amazing opportunity to bring Kirsten onto the podcast today and talk a little bit about how she got to uh, the place where she's at today, what inspired her to launch Cloverleaf, and a lot more about working with people. Her podcast is called People Are Complicated, which mm. I, the title itself, I love. People are complicated. <laughs> and I think we can all relate to. So Kirsten, tell us a little bit about your backstory and what inspired you to launch into um, building your own company, Cloverleaf. Long story short, I just grew up a big daydreamer and I saw a lot of problems in the world I wanted to help solve. And one day when I was 20 years old, I remember where I was sitting. I was in a friend's house and she told me the story of somebody who started their own business. And I just had this like, moment where I was like, anybody can start a business. I mean, what you, anybody could do that. And I came to through like my, I studied sociology in college, like very liberal arts focused, loved it, learned so much and came to this understanding that 
one of the biggest influencers in the world is business. It's where people work. It's like how you create employment or create terrible employment and people mm-hmm. need assistance with everything. So I just really came to be passionate about the fact that you can start businesses and solve big problems in the world. And so I want to do that. I want to do that someday. Yeah. Which is, by the way, just side note, isn't it funny that I think in your generation to be like, what do you mean everyone can start a business? A business? Of course, everyone does. But pre-social media. <laughs> I mean, I had no clue. That wasn't really a thing. Yeah. You need like $150 yeah. to file for an LLC and boom. boom that's it. <laughs> business. <laughs> So yeah, that was just very, that was a moment where I realized, Hey, I want to do that. I definitely didn't have the idea for Cloverleaf at that time. I was still in college, but fast forward, one of my first jobs, I really became aware of self-awareness and the importance of like understanding team dynamics, the importance of who do you partner together. I had a, an experience where like I would take two people put them together, they'd create the most magical thing ever. You take one of those people, put them with somebody else and it was horrible. Nobody liked the project. It went terrible and the client's upset and all that kind of stuff. And it really had to do with those dynamics. I also got to overhear great people that I worked with processing like their own self-awareness. Like, oh, I'm an external processor. My wife is an internal processor. So when she brings me a solution and I start to riff on it, she feels insulted because she already internally processed all these things. And she thinks that I'm not thinking that she thought through it. You know, a lot of things like that just brought me around to understanding, gosh, people are complicated. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they don't all operate the way that I do. And I'm not even fully aware of how I operate, right? Yeah. So- Took, you know, Myers-Briggs, Strengths Finder, took these assessments, grew in understanding myself, other people, and I got pregnant. I was going to leave and be a stay-at-home mom for a period, but really in the back of my mind, I was like, I'm going to start my own business. I'm ready to do it now. I've worked a little while. I understand some things about business. I'm going to go start my own. And a coworker at the time was like, oh my gosh, well, Kirsten, I'm going to start a business. Let's do it together. And he had a concept around like taking these assessments and applying them to work better through technology. And I thought, yeah, I think that'll change the world. I think that's really meaningful. I don't know anything about technology. Let's go for it. So love that. You basically, it sounds like you had that planted, that seed planted early on that you want to start a new business and you want to change the world. Yeah. And then magic happened and there you are. And so you started building that business. Um, when was that? 2000. So the idea of starting that business was in 2015. We really didn't launch. We launched like an MVP. We did some testing. We interviewed Mm. some people. We tried it out. But we launched our commercial product in October of 2018. Sweet. Yeah. I feel like as an early adopter. Really cool. (laughs) Yeah. Ramona, (laughs) you are an early adopter of technology. (laughs) Well, so let's then talk about when we think about teams and what makes teams thrive because you have a lot of data from people who work together and constellations. And I see this in my, in my work with clients. And when we create these team dashboards and the conversations that come out of it all the time, but from your perspective, what is it that you see in those dashboards and what works and what doesn't work? Okay. In most teams today, like there are some teams where, you know, like you're just following strict processes, you're doing the same thing over and over. And for those teams, what I'm about to say may not be true. However, most teams today in our knowledge-based economy who are working, you know, 
outside of proven answers, like we're inventing solutions to cancer, we're inventing solutions to the supply chain, like those types, that type of work. Teams need two critical things that sound very academic, but I'll explain them. First is psychological safety and Mm -hmm. cognitive diversity. So Mm -hmm. I'll start with cognitive diversity. That is where different people see the world differently. So somebody's going to come along and say, hey, we could reduce our packaging if we like cut down on this ingredient in the material. And then we could, you know, like smaller packaging and like save the environment. Right. Mm -hmm. And then somebody else is going to say, well, that ingredient is critical. And did you think about it from this perspective? And I think we also need to consider, and they're going to be like deeply questioning. And they're going to be thinking about like, well, in the past we've done these things and it didn't work for these reasons. And they can come across as like maybe a naysayer to that solution oriented person but they're actually a critical piece of that team because you can't Mm -hmm. do something that is proven to not have worked before. Right. And so those are two different ways of seeing something and you need both of those in order Mm -hmm. to have lasting game-changing solutions. That's cognitive diversity. It's seeing the world differently. It's divergent perspectives and it's innate to each of us. We are each wired to be more solution oriented or be more historical oriented, need more of that context or be more focused on the people or be more focused on the processes or be more, you know, like there's, there's a tons of difference of ways of, of this coming out. And that's why people are complicated is because we all are innately wired very differently. Well, so well, it's like, yeah, so we need that. And it's pretty obvious we need the like the visionary and the implementer and the big picture thinker and the detail oriented person and all that. And we could probably even trace that back to millions of years ago and how it all created a tribe and it all was all functional, right? But now that the big question is, given the cognitive diversity, how do we work together? Because that's then the million dollar question. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that's the million dollar question. And that's where the psychological safety comes into play. So Google did this three-year study called Project Aristotle, where they Mm -hmm. studied all of their teams across all of the world to find what are the characteristics of our most successful teams? Is it skills? Is it past experience? Is it past performance? And it wasn't any of those things. The most common denominator was psychological safety. That invents the best new products of the future. That invents the best go-to-market strategies. That invents like the best team outcomes, right? Mm -hmm. And so what is psychological safety? Psychological safety is, it is safe to have divergent perspectives. So it is Mm -hmm. safe to have that cognitive diversity. It's safe to throw out an idea that is different from the rest of the teams. It's safe to question an idea. It's safe to try something and it doesn't work. And we can all learn from that mistake instead of be penalized for making a mistake, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And I shouldn't even call it a mistake. It's a learning, right? Yeah. And so that is what truly makes the most successful teams, right? And that is really um, something that we are working really hard on here at Cloverleaf is sending this automated coaching into your inbox to help you see the diversity of thought Mm -hmm. on your team. Mm -hmm. First of all, just understanding your own way. We Mm -hmm. aren't even aware that we have a particular way of seeing the world naturally, right? But once you learn that, you also need to partner that with understanding the different ways of your team. Yeah. And, and then how to actually best work with all of those differences. Yeah, actually, I'm going to pull this up because I love what you shared. And I think it's so true that definitely in the beginning stages of my professional career, I think I understand intellectually that people would see things differently. 
that was clear, but I didn't really, really understand it and still had a really strong bias where I thought, you know, they um, see it a little bit differently, but they also see it vastly the same because <laughs> that seemed to be the right way of doing it or that seemed to be the right way of seeing the world and, and how to create results, which is obviously not true. Mm -hmm. What I was going to pull up and what I want to share here is that when I get now these tips about myself, what you shared, the one that I got this morning says, you may be very effective in choosing how the work gets done and ensuring that it does. Your team may enjoy having you in charge, but if you are not the designated leader, be mindful not to overstep. Mm -hmm. Open discussions and get consensus before charging ahead. And oh my gosh, I can think back of like high school baseball or softball yeah. place where, you know, I wasn't the designated leader, but I was commanding people around on the field, driving everyone crazy because that's what I would do, especially yep. in a competitive setting. I'm like, oh, I got it. And I wasn't a designated leader. So overstepping and people thinking, you know, why do we have to do the way Ramona does? She's just one of the team leaders. And those little things really get me thinking all the time. Yeah, Ramona, you and I must be similarly wired. And I literally need to stop myself in certain meetings because mm -hmm. I recognize like there is a time and a place where there is a need for a leader to step up and say, okay, what are our next steps? And exactly what are we doing? And that's an interesting conversation, but we should table that for now because we got to stay focused here. Like there's a time mm -hmm. and a place for that. And then there's the time when you shouldn't play that role in the room and playing that role is steamrolling. <laughs> yeah. It's squashing actually more of the exploration that other people might need to do so that we come up with a better solution than I would have rushed us into, right? So mm -hmm. yeah, it's it's building that psychological safety, those appreciations of differences over time. That's mm -hmm. what creates the best teams. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I definitely, this is what's, what I find so interesting. I think if all of us listening think back to what, what was the team that we liked the most and enjoyed the most, be it as a current team that we're in or a past team, mm -hmm. it's not, it's, it's maybe a little bit of what we were doing, but mostly how we felt. Mm -hmm. And was it this like underlying sentiment of fear or this underlying sort of anxiety or insecurity and worry about what someone else may think? Or did we feel like, oh my gosh, this is exciting because we can contribute and we can just chime in and have ideas and create. And then we fail. And it was an experiment we're like, well, let's yeah. laugh that one off and learn from the situation and move on. And yeah. that's when, like, when work gets exciting. And that is so hard to lead towards. That's so hard to be the manager that creates those scenarios because the manager is under a lot of pressure. The manager is yeah. under the pressure of like, oh my gosh, the experiment failed. We just lost two months and I've got like yeah. the quarter arriving. Right. And so like, how do you manage through those scenarios? And it requires really deeply understanding your people, what motivates them, what they need and balancing that with also your understanding of the bigger picture and what the organization needs and the goals. Yeah. So someone listening who has a team, let's say four people on a team really resonates with this idea. Yeah, I do want to create psychological safety and I see the importance of having this cognitive diversity. Mm -hmm. And yes, this seems really hard, Kirsten. So <laughs> tell me what to do. What are some tactical ways? You can go start a free trial on Cloverleaf and take some free assessments and start getting coaching on your 100%. team. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I don't just say that as like a sales plug. I, that's literally what we are building this for, but also I think, you know, aside from that, anybody can stop and ask for feedback. I think one of the most helpful things that I do, I actually learned this from somebody I manage. She brought it to me and now I do it with all my direct reports, which is once a quarter, we'll just take an hour. We'll go for a walk and we'll talk about what can I start doing to better support you? What can I stop doing to better support you? And what can I continue doing to be the best for you? And actually she started it with, as a leader, I would be failing you if I didn't make a change. And so I think that's really helpful because you can get feedback on, well, like for example, that particular employee, she really actually needs a lot more system and structure and processes and clear answers than I do. And so we'll Mm -hmm. often come to a place where I'm like, great, go for it. And then she doesn't do anything. And she's like, oh, I didn't know what I was supposed to do. And I'm like, oh, you need mm, like totally. more clarity on your role definition, which is not something I need, you know? And yeah. so that builds, that opens these conversations where now at the end of a conversation, I know to ask her, hey, what are your next three steps? Yeah. And she needs that. I do not. And I forget to do it often, but I remind myself yeah. that's the best thing. So I think that we call that start, stop, continue. Just ask your people, what can I start doing, stop doing, continue doing to be best mm-hmm. for you? And love that uh, you take that on a walk because it often creates a more vulnerable, open dialogue, right? Yeah. And it just, yeah. you know, you're just thinking as you go. And sometimes I've done this with people where they're like, oh, I didn't prepare. And I say, that's fine. Which is what's top of mind. This doesn't yeah. need to be a big, deep exercise. And, you know, obviously with remote people, then we're just like on the phone, walking our dogs together, right? Mm-hmm. Um Another thing that I think is really helpful is grow your own self-awareness of yourself. So one thing you could do is just ask all of your people, hey, what three words would you use to describe me? And mm-hmm. if you don't feel comfortable doing that with your team team, which by the way, I think is a great exercise, but I also understand some cultures aren't safe for that yet. Ask your family, ask your friends, like text your three closest people in your network and ask them that question. And that just sparks great conversation where you might realize like, oh, I could be seen as like the person who tries to move us too quickly. Yeah. Or you realize like, oh, I'm going to be the person who's really going to help us suss out all those details. And I need to be aware of when there's a time and a place not to do that. Right. Yeah. Um, So I think like, Basically, both of those tactics are talk to other people <laughs> about this. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, there's two things that come to mind as, a, as I'm hearing you talk about this. One is I think there is this misconception around having a leadership style, mm-hmm. and it's one that really <laughs> agitates me because I'm like, well, people think that they have a leadership style, mm-hmm. and then they lead that way, which is usually the way that they want to be led. So yeah. if someone requires requires a lot of autonomy, like you, for example, you like doing your stuff and figure out how to go about it and be independent, at least what I heard, Um, right? Then you may naturally say, oh, this is how I like to be led. This is how people like to be led. Therefore, I'm going to lead that way. Mm. And then if someone doesn't follow through, you might think like, oh my gosh, what's wrong? Like you need me to handhold you? That's crazy. You should be able to work with this level of autonomy, Mm -hmm. which is such a limiting belief and one that holds so many leaders back because they miss the point that it's not about your default leadership style. It's about how you adapt and recognize that we're all different and there's not a better or a worse. It's just a different and period. And then figure out how you adapt to get a better result. 
I'm a big believer in those situations that create frustration for you. So the one you just mm-hmm. talked about where you realize like, oh my gosh, why isn't this person more autonomous? Why aren't they more you know, able to go without my direction? Why are they afraid of making mistakes? Or, you know, you can, you can start to infer a lot of things from that, that become character judgments. Like Mm -hmm. why are they proactive? Why are they like, you know, waiting around for somebody else to make things happen, which is unfortunate. That's character judgment. And when we go those directions, we lose sight of the fact that actually this is probably just a signpost of a different strength that this person mm-hmm. has that I don't have. There's mm-hmm. actually something really good and powerful in the fact that this person needs a list of to-dos mm-hmm. to follow. Mm-hmm. And while I might not be a list maker, I can mm-hmm. start to understand that about this person and we can find ways where we I can lead them the way they need so mm-hmm. that they can actually like be that person who makes sure nothing does fall through the cracks. Usually list makers, list takers are those people, right? And you can start to mm-hmm. see like, okay, I now understand this person's going to help us with our documentation. That's been a problem. Knowledge transfer has been a problem. Or this person's going to, you know, whatever it is. So all that to say, I'm just a big believer in pausing and recognizing those frustrating moments and challenging yourself to question, where is actually the different strength in here that I Mm -hmm. don't have? And that's why we are missing each other, but we, we have an opportunity to come together and create even stronger team dynamics. You said at some point that those things that trigger us may also be things that could make us feel threatened to some extent, because we feel like, oh, I don't have that, especially if it's something that we internally feel where we feel like we have a lack in. I mean, I've heard lots of smart people say this, but you should always try to hire people who are smarter than you. Mm-hmm. And that definitely requires psychological safety because you know some of us are in cultures where we think we need to be the one with the answers, mm-hmm. but that is so, so limiting to your leadership potential mm-hmm. because you can only go so far on your own. And if you are the one who has to have all the answers, you're actually like, you need to be behind your people, pushing them forward with all your answers. But if you can learn to accept like, okay, I may be intimidated by the fact that this person's going to be so much better at doing my job than I ever was, but that's actually a benefit because now I get to lead them through this, right? I have something I can learn from them. I have ways I can get out of their ways. Then you won't be behind pushing your team forward. Your team will be like together running forward because everyone has the ability to do their best work together Mm -hmm. and they don't need to wait for you. Mm -hmm. And you don't need to bring them up to speed all the time. And you don't need to approve everything they do, right? And you can learn to run fast in the same direction together. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so really appreciating those differences and and looking upward and forward instead of thinking, oh, that's, that's my scope. And if someone else does it better than me, then what am I left to do? Yeah. Right? So that requires a bit of a mindset shift of, oh, yeah. Look forward, look how you can contribute more and increase your scope. And mm-hmm. that's actually what gets you to a better place in terms of your own leadership growth. Yeah. If you're ever thinking, gosh, what will I be left to do? Like, don't worry about it. There's tons <laughs> of work for leaders. Like, it's But actually- oddly, that's a, yeah. that's a thing that a lot of people have in the, running in the back of their minds. They may understand taking a step back. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. But yet still, it's the worry that I have every day or, you know, once a week. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I think culture, I think culture plays a lot into that. And we are all, you know, I I don't want to say victim, but like, you know, we are all in the cultures that we are in and we all are responsible for the cultures that we're in. So even Mm -hmm. if you are in a culture where it is usually seen as threatening when someone else is smarter than you, like that is beyond your control. However, you have influence over that to be the model in the room saying, that is a fantastic idea. I didn't think about that. And I'm really grateful you brought that up. Yeah. And that starts to create space where other people say, oh, it's okay. It's okay yeah. for, for us to explore together. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, just to close that loop earlier, when we talked about the two things that came to my mind, the second thing that I meant to add there is you said an actionable thing to do would be to really increase your self-awareness, right? Learn more about your natural tendencies. And one of the things that I find really useful is to create a user guide, or they're also referred to as read me's, where people not only do this internally, right? Thinking about themselves and what their default behaviors are or how they're wired, but also they write it down and then are able to create a document And there are a range of different formats to this, but somehow make it explicit so that they can share it with others and fast track the process of getting to know each other. So other people don't have to figure it out. Right. Trial and error and trying to understand who you as a manager or as a coworker function, but you've done the self-reflection. You know, I'm naturally wired to have, you know, ambitious visions, Mm -hmm. but may not always think about the details. Mm-hmm. And to be able to communicate something like this, um, not only to me expresses a high degree of leadership competence and presence and self-awareness overall, it creates this environment of psychological safety or is one of the signs, but also just makes relationships so much easier. Yeah, it does. And and when we are aware of those things in ourselves and we can accept them and we can communicate effectively about them, we are so much more powerful and we are so much more freed up to bring our value to the world. Like one of the powerful things about understanding about how you're wired is that what you most enjoy doing, those are the things you are also best at and that the world Mm -hmm. most needs from you. So as a leader, when you can start to understand those things and accept those things, Mm -hmm. you can then start to one, just be more satisfied, but two, like truly be more effective and create this safer place where your people can start to have these conversations about, oh, here's what I'm best at. And here's how I would actually prefer like, you know, getting information. And I understand that's different than your style. And so let's talk about how might we go about this more effectively together. Mm-hmm. 100%. You have a podcast, like we said in the beginning, it's called People Are Complicated. <laughs> So on that note, and as we close up this um, conversation, what do you wish all managers knew? What's one of the things that you're like, ah, as it comes to people are complicated, here's one thing that I wished managers knew I mean, to create, a, create those thriving work environments. Yeah, I do wish, I said this earlier, but I wish that managers, when we feel those moments of intimidation or even being threatened or just frustration of why aren't you doing what I thought I told you to do, Right when we feel those tensions, I wish that we would pause and ask ourselves, what is the strength in this person that I have not yet harnessed? 
I love Brene Brown. She has this quote about leadership. I forget exactly how it goes, but it's something like leaders are the people who see the potential in others and have the bravery to bring that out of them, right? Mm -hmm. It's so when you can pause and take that moment of tension and turn it into, well, curiosity about their strength, that is you seeing their potential and helping Mm -hmm. them grow beyond what they even know they're capable of. And that's just so rewarding, but it's also the best thing for your business. Like it's the best thing for your career because people are going to be most productive, most energized, most engaged when you are the leader that's doing that. And you're going to achieve the best outcomes and you're going to build the best, most enjoyable relationships. And you're just going to be overall way more relaxed and satisfied. Totally. Yeah. Do you have a story in mind, like an example of a situation where maybe you or you observed someone else as a leader who brought out that potential and the strength in their direct report? I mean, when I think of the examples I've been in, it's not a one-time conversation. It is an overall months, years long process. So for example, I can think of one woman I work with when she started on my team, she took over this thing I care a lot about. And so I was just trying to like go through lots of details with her to give her examples of all the many nuances of how you can think about it, right? And six months in, you know, we have these one-on-ones where we go through some of these details together. Basically, she says, like, I feel really micromanaged and stressed by this. You've been training me in this for months, and I feel like you can let go now. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, I thought I was like helping you see <laughs> that there's a million different problems that can come up. I really did not mean to be in your way. Okay. And so I like, I stepped back and it, which was a risk to me because I really care about this aspect of, of what we do, but I, you know, she needed that. She needed me to get out of the way. And what she ended up doing is she created this whole analytical process of how to do something that's actually quite creative. And like, it's more art than science. And I never saw how you could create a scientific methodology to it, but she did that, rocked it, increased our velocity significantly. And, mm-hmm. and now we're to the point where we realize, wow, those strengths in you to take something creative and be very analytical and methodical about it. That's actually probably this different skill set that we don't even have on our team and is a technology that we don't know how to do, but like, how do we equip you? How do we train you? How do we get you connected to the right mentors and people to do that? So basically like that conversation where she said, please stop micromanaging me, (laughs) led to me getting out of her way to now where she can basically invent a whole new future for part of our product, you know? And for herself. It sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great story. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that was that one-time conversation was over, you know, a year ago. So this is like a two-year process we're in now. Yeah. And also just to mirror this back, it could have been a situation where you said, I get it, but I need you to do exactly like I laid it out for you. Like that could have been a response of a manager who said, I know, but it really matters. And I want it exactly this way because that way I know it works. Yeah. But you have the self-awareness to realize like, oh, wow, I'm holding someone back. I'm holding something back. Oh, it was. But imagine that didn't happen. Yeah. (laughs) It was very uncomfortable because like it was it was outright conflict. And I was so grateful that she felt safe enough to say that to me, Mm -hmm. but I also did definitely have to like come back to her later. Like I needed, I needed to go away and process it 
to then mm-hmm. come back and respond of like, okay, here, like, thank you for sharing. Here's my perspective. And like, here, let's move forward, you know? And then I also did need to be aware, like it's a risk and she might fail, but like, we'll all learn from that. And she didn't fail. She blew me out of the water, but like, if she, yeah. even if she had, that's okay. Like yeah. that's part of the process too. Yeah. So with that, like, I hope that serves as an inspiration for people listening to think about their direct reports and in which ways there's maybe a way to lean into the discomfort, mm-hmm. to let them do things their way, to look at what they're coming up with and what specific strength you can leverage that way, even if it feels uncomfortable. Yeah. So uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's where growth happens. Yes. Thank you so much for being on the podcast and for the work that you do. And of course, I love that you have Cloverleaf and that you've built that because it makes my job a lot more exciting too. Um, and, And my clients love it as well. Well, thank you, Ramona. I think the work you're doing is fantastic. I probably said this to you on our podcast, but when you impact leaders, you have ripple effects that are huge. Mm. And so thank you for the work you do because you are indirectly impacting tons of lives by helping leaders unlock the potential in their people and be themselves healthier, happier leaders, but also like the ripple effect that creates, it has a huge impact. Yeah, totally. I think it's the leader's responsibility, right? Because it's not the privilege, but it's a responsibility because of the ripple effect that they have. Um, It's only them in their way, or they're only the ones who are paving the path forward as well. Yep. We will link to Cloverleaf in the show notes. We will link to your podcast and our podcast episode in the show notes. Is there any other place? I'm pretty busy building the business, but I'm occasionally active on LinkedIn. So you can find Kirsten Moorfield on LinkedIn. And I share my thoughts on leadership and doing our best for our people there. Awesome. We'll link to that too. Thanks so much for being on. Thank you, Ramona. See ya. If you enjoyed this episode, then check out two other awesome resources to help you become a leader people love to work with. This includes my best-selling book, The Confident and Competent New Manager, which you can find on Amazon or at RamonaShaw.com slash book and a free training on how to successfully lead as a new manager. You can check it out at RamonaShaw.com slash masterclass. These resources and a couple more you'll find in the show notes down below.